Good morning, it's July 14th. We're reading through the Bible in a year. Today's Old Testament reading is in the Psalter, the Psalms, and we're reading uh, Psalm 13, Psalm 14, and Psalm 15. And then in the New Testament, we're in Acts 18. But what a great set of Psalms. The first one, you're gonna hear a lot of this throughout the Psalms, how long, O Lord. That is even what we hear from the people in the book of Revelation as they're waiting for the final consummation of the ages, the souls under the altar. So we know this is a theme and a cry of Christians for a long time in the future and has been the cry of the people of God throughout the Old Testament as well. How long, O Lord? There's, there's a patience, a perseverance that is needed in the Christian life. And we know that because of the injustice that we all have to go through, the things we see in this world that ache our hearts and frustrate us and bring us to an indignant kind of anger over the problems in this world. And so the psalmist makes that very clear in this text. And then you'll see that phrase, I've trusted in your steadfast love. Uh, every time you see that word steadfast, that's usually a translation, steadfast love, of the word hesed. And that word for love, translated steadfast love in our Bibles, uh, is the word that usually relates to the idea of God's covenant, his faithful love, his commitment, his promised love upon his people. And we trust in that. We trust that God is going to keep his promises. We trust that we are his children. And it's just a uh, theme, again, just like how long, O oh Lord, that we turn from that frustration to our confidence that God is our refuge and our strength. And we're going to make it through this life. And he's going to get us where he's going to take us. Psalm 14, uh, a psalm that reminds us that the problems that we have in the Old Testament, the problems we still of today, the problem of atheism, problem of people seeking after their own way. Uh, the fool says in his heart, there is no God. I was dealing with an atheist this week, thinking about uh, the just the, the, the profound folly of thinking there is nothing, that there's only the stuff that we see, the naturalistic presupposition of existence. And uh, it is, as the text goes on to say in Psalm 14, the lyrics of this song, that people just want to do their own thing. They go their own way. And everyone is has a predisposition to that. We're, we're seeing these verses quoted in the New Testament in Romans 3, but the idea of our waywardness, as it says in Psalm 53, like sheep that just go astray, uh, this is the, the, the general disposition of people on this earth that are laden with sin in their thinking in their hearts. So we need God to readjust us, to make us alive in Christ, as it says in Ephesians chapter 2 and... Um, just a reminder of the problem. The Lord is our refuge. I like that contrast of conjunction, but the Lord is our refuge. And we turn from that folly to trust and follow the God uh, who made us. Psalm 15, one of my favorites, a psalm that talks about the standard of what it is to be uh, in with God, to be walking with God, uh, who's going to sojourn with God, who's going to live in his tent, who's going to be tight with God. And then that set of standards there, including in whose eyes uh, a vile person is despised. That not very popular today, but uh, the idea of even having the right valuations of everyone else. Some people think if you're in with God and you're a Christian, well, then you just, everybody's the same. You love everybody just the same. Uh, we can't help as Psalm 19, Psalm 119 is going to show us in multiple ways to have a, a real frustration about the sin of the world. Just like Jesus tipping over tables in the temple, certainly he had the right to do that because he is God. But in the frustration of his heart, seeing the sin and the problems and the the transgressions of the people around us, we know that it brings that kind of, of feeling. If just we, we can't be happy with sin and rebellion. And so anyway, that's one of the standards in that text of those who are going to uh, sojourn with God, as it says, dwell in his tent. That's the picture there. Psalm 18, I'm sorry, uh, Acts 18. This is pivotal. This is starting the 
third missionary journey of the Apostle Paul. Uh, he comes back to Antioch. Remember, that's not Antioch uh, there in modern-day Turkey. This is the Antioch in Syria, uh, and this is where the church kind of moved its headquarters after that persecution in Jerusalem. Paul comes back and then quickly turns around and leaves and goes to Ephesus, and uh, we read about his travels there. We see him you know, knocking the dust off of his feet early on when he meets in Corinth. I guess I've got to talk about that real quick. He goes to Corinth, uh, tent making with Priscilla and Aquila, uh, turns away from those that just count themselves unworthy of the gospels. We saw earlier that phrase, and now it's the same kind of thing. Uh, your blood's on your own head. You've been given the truth, and if you're going to reject it, I'm moving on. And uh, comes back to, to Syria and Antioch, uh, Antioch of Syria, and then turns around, goes to Ephesus, and there we see Apollos, a man who's powerful in uh, the scriptures. He just needed the truth of New Testament fulfillment of Jesus being the Christ, which Paul, of course, was preaching earlier in this chapter. So it's a great chapter, Acts 18, the beginning of the third missionary journey, right in the middle of it all. All right, our community imperative today is going to be in Romans chapter 15, verse 25, which says, at present, however, I'm going to Jerusalem bringing aid to the saints. So he's going to bring aid to the saints, but that's not the focus. I mean, that is the act, but I want to show the next two verses uh, that this should be part of our motive, and we have to think this way. He talks about those in Macedonia and Achaia, speaking of what we're learning in Acts. He says, to make a contribution to the poor that are in Jerusalem, the saints, the Christians there. He says, and we're ple they were pleased to do it. Uh, indeed, they owed it to them. For the Gentiles have come to share in the spiritual blessings, uh, and they ought to then be of service to them in material ways. And I think about that um, concept of looking to see if we can help people in tangible ways who have been a help to us in spiritual ways, or I even put it this way, those who have helped you. Matter of fact, I would add this word even indirectly, because these people didn't have a direct contribution to these Macedonians, but they were praised for giving to these people that they had an indirect benefit uh, in their lives in the past. So I put it this way, give to those who have indirectly helped you. Think about that. I want to, I want you to give, practically try to help, practically try to aid somebody who has a need and do that. If you can think about, of course, we give to everyone, not expecting anything in return, but if someone has been a blessing in your life in some way, if there's some indirect help that someone has given you, just then be good to them. I mean, I thought a lot of examples, some were self-serving and I shouldn't think in those terms, but I think about, you know, kids, for instance, the people that minister in the church, don't think about my kids, but other kids I think about who have you know, had to stay late because their parents were serving in a ministry. And I think be good to them. They've indirectly sacrificed for your good if you're a part of that ministry. Maybe it's someone, uh, you know, hosting a small group uh, in their home, whatever. There's lots of examples you can think of. So give some thought to that today and give to them, serve them, meet a need that they have. Give to those who have indirectly helped you, in particular spiritual help. Uh, and that would be a great community imperative for us today. All right, we'll see you tomorrow as we continue our reading through the Bible. Thank you.